Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Office Hours with Professor Mitchell. This uh, brief broadcast is going to be directed uh, specifically to my Psych 101 students for the summer of 2018, so this is not a general podcast. This is a uh, targeted podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about your uh, term paper, term project, as well as a brief introduction to APA formatting. Okay, so I'm gonna spend a few minutes talking about your term paper. So this is for my summer course, uh, Psych 101, uh, the face-to-face class uh, for 2018. This paper is probably your first real uh, research paper in psychology or the first one you've done in quite a while. I know some of you have already taken psych in other uh, high school or colleges and you're retaking it. Um, And maybe you've done a research paper before, but uh, this may be your first foray into APA style and uh, psychological writing, so I just want to give you a real brief introduction. So I'm going to start by talking about the actual content of the paper. And if you look at the syllabus and you look at the modules, it's all written out for you relatively straightforward. You're going to be writing a research paper, and instead of just giving you a wide net, I've really kind of made this... Uh, specific for you so that you don't have to waste a lot of time coming up with a research topic. You're going to be critiquing a historical piece of research that, as we look back, might be or definitely is considered unethical and maybe even immoral. Um, And so this research, you're you're going to be doing a critique of research, so you're researching research and the, the purpose of this paper is not for you to spend five pages regurgitating exactly what happened in that piece of research. Uh, I do want you to do a brief synopsis of it, but it sh- your brief synopsis should not be any more than 20% of your paper. So if you have a five-page paper, it shouldn't be more than a page. Uh, the reason for that is because this is not... Uh, I'm not questioning you on do you know what happened in the research? I know what happened in these pieces of research, so I don't want to read 20 papers from 20 students who are just regurgitating what happened in the research. I already know that. What I want to know is, I want you to do an analysis of these. And what we're going to be focusing on is mostly the ethical considerations of the research. Were these pieces of research, were they ethical in their time? Are they ethical by today's standards? And what should we do about that? Um, you know, if it is something that is completely unethical by today's standards, should we just dismiss the findings and pretend like it didn't happen? Or should we realize that uh, these things did happen and therefore to dismiss them would be to basically not only invalidate the research that was done, but also really take away any positive that possibly could have come from um, kind of some damage that was done to the participants. So if you look at, uh, if you look at Zimbardo's um, uh, Stanford prison experiment, uh, we, we constantly are getting more information because Zimbardo is still around and some of the research subjects are still around. We're getting reinterpretations of exactly what happened during the Stanford prison experiment. There's questions as to uh, whether the findings are truly valid because of the way that they've been interpreted by Zimbardo and by other people. I'm not gonna keep going on that because I'm basically giving you your paper, but what I want you to do is I want you to look at it at as, was it ethical or moral? I want you to stick with, with ethics, but you, you can talk a little bit about morality as well. W- was the way that it was conducted ethical? Did they break um, APA standards of the time? Uh, did they break ethical standards of the time? And if we were to redo it today, not only would it be unethical, but how could you possibly re-tweak it? 
to make it ethical, to make it work by today's standards. Uh, so you're going to be looking at a lot of different things in this, uh, in this paper. Now this is a research paper, so you are going to be doing some research, and I do encourage you uh, to use the Ivy Tech uh, library, the online library that is in My Ivy or Ivy Learn. You can access it either way. Uh, you, you have a, one of the broadest groupings of online libraries available from any college or university that I've seen. It is amazing how many different uh, aggregating online companies we have, EBSCOhost and SideQuest and Med... Uh, there's, there's, there's specific ones for almost every different uh, field. And so it may not seem impressive to you because if you're going into business, you're probably not going to be using SciQuest uh, or, or any of the medical ones as much as you'll be using the business ones, but you, you have access to tons of different pieces of research. Way easier than back in the day where we actually had to walk to the library and go through books of old pieces of research and actually photocopy and everything. I mean, you can literally type in your topic and it will come back with thousands of pieces of research. It's easier in that respect, but it's actually a little bit harder for novice researchers. So, uh, you know, as freshmen, freshmen in college, you are a novice researcher and one of the hardest things to do is to sift out what's important and what's not important. Just because you put in uh, Watson, Rayner, Little Albert and you get 15,000 pieces of research uh, and journal entries that come back, you may only find five or ten that are actually relevant to what you are talking about. So make sure that you put in keywords that actually help. Uh, you, you'll, you'd want to put things like you know Watson and Rayner, Little Albert, Ethics, uh, APA, you know, use your search cues appropriately. That's the key here. Now, for this paper, this paper, the sweet spot for this paper is five to seven pages, and so you're going to want at least five, five uh, um, specific references. Now, that does not mean find five and you're done. That means five is really the minimum. the The rule of thumb that I always go by is if you're looking at a uh, a paper for a class. Your minimum number of references should be, uh, there should be a correlation of one to one for every page of written uh, paper that you have, not including the title page or the abstract or the reference page. But you should have about one reference for every page. Now that does not mean that every page should have a single reference on it. It just means that if you're writing a five page paper, it's going to be hard for you to write that if you don't have five pieces of research or five pieces from journals that you can critique. Sometimes you're going to need a little bit more. You know, there are some papers that are more, uh, that especially critiques, uh, oftentimes are going to take more pieces of research because you're you're using one or two journal entries per paragraph in some pages. And in some pages, you're only going to be using. You may go three or four pages on uh, on one on one topic. So as you get into longer writings, and not to scare you, but as you get into uh, further deeper into your academic career, a five-page paper is going to seem like the easiest thing you've ever done in your life. Um, you're going to get to, uh, for those of you that are going to go on for your bachelor's degree, you know, a 400-level class, a senior-level class, it's not uncommon uh, you know, for a 25, 30-page paper as your term project. You get to a master's program and your thesis is going to be 100, 150 pages. Your dissertation could be two or 300 pages. And, and that's, when you get to that point, it's going to make sense to you. Because you're going to have so much knowledge and so much information that you're talking about that it's it's not going to feel like a stretch to try to make a five-page paper because you're really trying to get all the stuff that you've researched for 10 years into a paper. So 
again, not a scare tactic in your first psychology class, but uh, just know that a five-page paper is is daunting the first time you write it, but eventually it's going to seem like the easiest thing. You're going to look back and think, wow, five-page paper, you know, that that's, that's super simple. Uh, the last big thing I want to talk about here is APA formatting. And I could do a whole three-hour lecture on APA formatting, or I could just give you the access points where you can go out and find this yourself, okay? So eventually, if you get into, and I'm, I'm here I'm speaking to my field of psychology, but this is relevant for almost every field. Um, if you go out and you look at what your field, what they use primarily, you know, in psychology and social work and uh, the soft sciences, we tend to use APA formatting. Um, I, I used to believe, and I need to really look into this, but I used to think that, that nursing used APA as well, but they may actually use something else. Uh, but if you're going into like English and history, they tend to use MLA. So when you get into your specific field, you're going to want to really, you know, get that hammered down. But at this point, there's absolutely no reason for you to go out and buy the APA manual. Um, you know, it's, it's very expensive and it's not nearly as intuitive as just using some of the free online materials that we have. And I always point people to um, our statewide uh, uh, neighbor and friend, Purdue University, who their writing center, their English department, God love the English department from Purdue, uh, they have created a website that is probably the best resource I've seen. And I'm actually counting in the APA's manual because the APA's manual, you really have to have an understanding of APA before it starts to make sense. Whereas if you Google Purdue APA OWL, O-W-L, it's the on Online Writing Lab. Um, so Purdue APA OWL, it'll take you directly to a website that is going to outline, it's going to give you an example of what an APA paper should look like, of what every different type of resource you are citing should look like both in line, so in the paper, and on your reference page. And it also will give you uh, an example of the entire paper. So you can look at it and you can say, wow, my paper looks like or doesn't look like uh, the example. That's the best thing to do. Now, I am a realist. I realize that we're no longer typing on typewriters. We're no longer typing on old word processors. We have these awesome machines sitting in front of us that are 10,000 times more powerful than what NASA used in the 60s and 70s to put people on the frickin' moon, okay? So the machine sitting in front of you, literally, if you're listening to this on your phone, your phone, even if it is an old flip phone, has more computing ability than the, the total amount that was in uh, you know, the Apollo space uh, spaceships that took people to the frickin' moon. So I understand there's technology out there that makes this very simple. Why do I talk about this? Because I realize that if you have Microsoft Word, and I'm talking Word because that's what I tend to use, I assume Mac, uh, the Pages, uh, and Google Docs probably have the same thing, but I know Microsoft Word has a button you can push that will automatically format everything for you. It, it will, and it's a wonderful thing. I mean, there's literally, it has gotten to the point now where when I, and I use it when I'm writing my own, uh, when I'm doing research, I'm writing a paper, you know, I can click in Google Scholar and it will pull the reference and then I can just paste it into my, um, my paper and it's formatted correctly. Now here's the problem with that. I'm not going to tell you don't use the formatting tools because that would be stupid because I know you're probably going to do it. 
what I'm going to encourage you to do, however, and challenge you to do, is try to write this paper without using those things, okay? Am I doing this because I'm just trying to punish you? No, eh, a little bit, because I didn't, when I was an undergrad, I didn't have these fun tools, but uh, it's not a punishment. What it is, is it's important for you to learn, and sometimes learning comes from making mistakes. A lot of times learning comes from making mistakes. If you simply turn in a perfect APA paper, I don't know whether you did it or whether the computer did it. And that's really not the relevant point here. The relevant point is if the computer makes a mistake and you never learned how to do APA in the first place, you aren't going to recognize the mistake. You're going to turn it in and I'm going to circle it. And I'm going to say, what the heck is this formatting you just used? This is not APA. And you're not going to be able to look at me and say, oh, this is where I made a mistake. All you're going to be able to do is say, oh, well, you know, Microsoft messed up. Okay, in Psych 101, I'm going to work with you on that. If you get into your, your senior level um, projects or you get into your master's or doctoral dissertations projects, you're not, they're not going to look at you and say, okay, well, let's go back and, and work on this. They're just going to count it wrong. It's much like algebra. You know, I'm... I'm I, I struggled with algebra because I always hated the concept that I could get the right answer, but it would, the whole process would be wrong because I did it the wrong way. And formatting is very similar. You can get the information into your reference page telling me where you got this information and I could, I could get it together, but it's going to be wrong if it's not formatted correctly. And if you put your algebra into these online uh, algebra basically solving machines, you can get the right answer and it'll spit everything out, but if there's something goes wrong in one of those 10 steps, you're not, if you don't know algebra, you're not gonna be able to figure out that it was done wrong. So just like in math, it's really important to know the steps so that later when you're using these really awesome tools, you'll completely understand what it's doing and you'll understand when it does something wrong because guess what? These programs will oftentimes do something wrong. They will do something goofy and sometimes it's a computer error. Guess what? A lot of times it's user error. You just click the wrong button. But if you don't know what to look for to say, whoa, that doesn't look right, then you're not doing yourself any good. Okay? Now, that being said, what do I know you're all probably going to do? You're going to go into Microsoft Word and you're going to format with this way. And that's fine. I'm just giving you what I would do if I were a student today. Um, actually, let's be perfectly honest. If I were a student today, I'd probably be doing the exact same thing I'm telling you not to do. I'd probably just be using Microsoft Word and then four years down the road when I get a paper back where I get 30% off my paper because my formatting is off and the instructor or the professor is not going to sit down with me and help me, I'm going to be mad at myself for not doing what I'm telling you to do right now. But you know what? I'm human just like everybody else. I know Everybody's busy, everybody's trying to get done as quickly as possible, and in today's academic culture, an A is better than learning. Nothing we can do about that. Uh, I'd love to change the academic culture, but let me get off my soapbox. So, strongly encourage you, OWL, Purdue, APA, Google that, it'll take you right there. I think I put a link in the class as well. So, that's the format, five to seven pages, like I said in class. Five to seven pages is a sweet spot. If you're at four pages, and you feel like you've rocked this thing and you're just gonna start fluffing, stop writing. I would rather have four awesome pages than seven pages of fluff, okay? Make sure that you follow the APA format for your, for your margins and your font, 12 point font, Times New Roman, double spaced, not extra spacing between paragraphs. Um, I think it's, I'm 
spacing. I believe it's one inch margins all the way around, but check APA Owl for that. I should know that off the top of my head, but I've got too many things going on in my brain right now. Um, don't play with the 1.4 inch margins trying to trick me. Like I said in lecture, uh, back in the day when we turned in physical papers, you could pull off, you know, you could turn a four page paper into a five page paper by making 1.3 inch margins instead of one inch margins. Today, you're turning it in, all I have to do is hit one button and your margins go back to one inch and your five page paper goes to four pages, okay? Flip side of that, if you're on page eight and you're still frantically typing uh, like, like Mozart, creating a concerto and you're sweating and you're typing, stop. You've typed too much. You're going too far. Okay? Stop. Delete some stuff. Go back and make it more succinct. Final thing, and I'm leaving something huge for the end, for those of you that all listen to this whole thing, kudos. Remember, APA looks boring. Okay? If I were to print out all your papers and hang them on the board in the front of the room and had you all stand in the back of the room, you really, unless you have better eyesight than I do, you should not be able to pick out your paper. They should all look the same. The cover page should look the same. The formatting should look the same. What that means, no colorful fonts, no big fonts, no clip art. I know that, you know, I'm, I'm aging myself here, but I, I grew up in when, you know, Windows was, was really first becoming a big thing and you could put clip art into a paper and oh my God, that was so cool. Not only because it, it it looked professional, but also a picture takes up a lot of written space. Um, we don't have pictures. If you have a chart, absolutely, but there's no charts in this type of research that you're doing. So you're not going to be putting charts, you're not going to be putting pictures. There should be no pictures, no colorful font, no uh, no Zaps Dingfat or, or, or whatever it is you might want to do to make something look artistic. That's for texting, that's for putting stuff on Facebook and Snapchat and WYSIWAP, whatever is out there today. It should look boring. Boring, boring, boring. So that example you're going to see on, um, on on Purdue's OWL site, that's as boring as yours should look. Okay? So that's all I have for this particular uh, quick podcast. Thank you for sticking in with me for this whole time. Um, hopefully this helped you. If you have any questions, please email me. Um, and as you know, we are uh, this is being broadcast on the 25th of uh, June, 2018. We are in week four. Amazingly enough, this is midterm week. Uh, summer goes by so fast. And I know that uh, that may, may not feel that way when you're actually in class, but it, this is going by so quick. Um, and the paper is going to be due sooner than you know. So start thinking about it. I know I can't convince you to stop procrastinating completely, but start thinking about it and get it in the back of your mind so you can start working on this uh, and get it done sooner than later.